Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Hello and welcome back to Living Box Free. I'm Ashlane Seitz and I've got Becky Ford with me and my friend Dana Russo. We're going to have a great interview today. We're going to talk about grief because isn't that so fun? I'm really excited about that, actually. I actually am genuinely excited about that. It's going to be great. So before we dive into that, let's talk about what's on the rise for you this week. Becky, if we can hear you, let's hear what's on the rise for you this week. Yes, uh Ash can see me. I'm, I'm wrangling the little one right now. So <laughs> what's on the rise for me besides bicep curls with a baby is <laughs> actually trying to savor those last few weeks of maternity leave. I cannot believe I go back to work in January. So I am trying to take advantage of uh, just having some fun time at home and uh, enjoy the holidays. Yeah, it's awesome. Dana, what's on the rise for you this week? Um. This week, I have an increase in just missing family. Mm, Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving looked a whole lot different, and Christmas will look a whole lot different. So that's what's on the rise. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, I'm going to go with moving. Moving around is on the rise for me. (laughs) I uh, injured, re-injured my back. I have chronic back issues, and I re-injured it last Monday, and so I've been spending most of the week on lying on the floor, which is not fun, which is why poor Becky had to do last week's podcast by herself, because I didn't feel like calling in from my bed. So Becky was the MVP last week, for sure. But yeah, hopefully I'll be up and moving around more this week. We can get back to the gym and that kind of fun stuff. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear from my friend Dana. Dana and I have been, I don't I don't even know how long we've known each other. Quite a mm. few years. Yes. Maybe 12 years, maybe. Yes. I don't know. Roughly. Yes, probably. Okay. And Dana and I worked together for several years. She has, man, she has so many specialties. We could have brought her in. I've actually thought about inviting her to come and talk about several different topics. And then we finally <laughs> decided, no, this is what we want her to talk about. And so she might come back another time and talk about something else because she has such a wide variety of specialties. She's a vocalist, a spiritual director, a grief counselor, a writer. She worked with me on the innovation team in research and development for many years Dana is, yeah, she's just one of my favorite people. So fun to work with. Dana, why don't you tell us how you got into the grief counseling business and a little bit about your company, Hope Rises? I got into this because I was personally mishandled in my grief journey. And um, and then I became very aware that many of my friends were being mishandled in grief. And uh, even many people that I didn't know, I, I, it just seemed like there's this void of conversation about grief and death and dying. And so um, I decided to pursue certification in uh, death and bereavement studies. Um, and I initially launched Hope Rises to provide a specialized grief and bereavement care, um, but have since developed materials and training for organizations and how to walk with the bereaved. Um, and it's surprising how many people leave jobs that they actually love because they don't feel cared for during a time of loss and bereavement. Um, a year ago, we added a licensed mental health counselor on our team who is also uh, certified in grief care. So we have a lot of things that we offer. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I was just talking to a friend last night about she's coming up on the anniversary of the death of one of her parents and she was feeling like no one was acknowledging it. And I was mm-hmm. like, that makes total sense. So this is, it impacts, I mean, that's a big example, but it impacts mm-hmm. us in so many ways. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful that you're here to talk to us a little bit about it. So yes. we wanted to talk specifically about 2020 and all of the chaos. So Talk to us how that even, like, how does that connect with grief? Where what are we impacted by? What is, why? I think it's connected, but I would love to hear your thoughts on how it's connected. <laughs> well, it, um, in this crisis, I mean, we're in, we're a, a world and nation in turmoil, external turmoil, which then creates internal turmoil. Um, we've lost and continue to lose not only human lives, but we've, we've lost our way of life. Uh, throw in natural disasters, civil unrest, uh, big political campaign. Um, our world just feels less safe. Um, doesn't seem like there's any normal anymore, even though every day kind of feels like the day before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Groundhog Day over and over. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I really do believe that we're grieving life as we once knew it. And then we also feel the collective grief of those around us. Yeah, that makes sense. So how would you define grief specifically in this conversation? Mm-hmm. Well, in any conversation, really, grief is the internal conflicting feelings that we experience at the end of or change in a familiar pattern or behavior. It's not just about death loss. I mean, that's the end of, you know, something that's familiar, but it's about change. And basically, whenever we experience a significant loss or a significant disruption or change in our lives, we will probably experience grief. Um, We've all experienced non-death losses during this time. And many, uh, the other night on the news, they were saying every minute another American life is lost to COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're experiencing so many changes and end of things. Um, You know, the pandemic put an end to things like just basic routine, travel, work, celebrations, uh, our sense of security. Um, So it's just changed and disrupted how we do life right now. We're forced to work from home while homeschooling children. Uh, We're watching, you know, church online uh, or other things online, all the webinars, um, instead of gathering with people and actually yeah. having conversations uh, back and forth, we've postponed surgeries or cancer treatments, you know, and, and something that's been hard for me, I'm not even able to serve people the way I normally would hmm. for fear of either, you know, giving the disease to someone or contracting yeah. it myself. Yeah. And so just how I do life and how I treat other people, everything has been changed. And so there is grief when there's that big of a disruption and change in our lives. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I I think, um, so I have had COVID. I had it about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, thank goodness, a very mild case, comparatively speaking. Um, But it was a very strange experience because of all of the fear uh, surrounding it. And it did impact the way that I was able to relate to other people and they were able to relate to me. So I can absolutely see that being true. But how do I know 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe this makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. How do I know if it's grief or just experiencing change? I mean, is there always, what are the symptoms of grief specifically? How do I know if I'm grieving? Well, um, I think in our culture, we've uh, really associated grief with stress. You know, I feel stressed or whatever. And we've, we've given it other terms because, again, grief is attached in our mind to death. And yeah. we don't want to think about death. So let's just rename it. Right. <laughs> All right. So I can share some symptoms that a lot of people may encounter with grief. Uh, see if any of these sound like your experience. Uh, you may notice a change in sleep pattern. Uh, you may want to sleep all the time, or you may be, you know, insomniac. Uh, you may have a, a change in appetite, or this one I see across the board, lethargy. Mm. There is oh, yeah. literally called lethargy of grief. Uh, extreme fatigue, or your body just feels really, really heavy. So physically, I mean, there's more symptoms, but physically, those are just a few that I see that we're experiencing during this time. Emotionally, there's just this underlying low, and sometimes not low grade, <laughs> maybe pretty high grade, yeah. sense of sadness or a sense of restlessness. We're more irritable maybe than normal. Um, after the death of his beloved wife, C.S. Lewis wrote, I did not know that grief felt so much like fear. And fear is a symptom, can be a symptom of grief. Um, some feel anger, that emotion, you know, and in, in the context of grief, that emotion is a protest emotion. And deep down underneath what your soul is crying out, I want back what I lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. And boy, aren't we all wanting back what we've lost. Oh, yeah. Um, it can affect us cognitively. I don't know about you, but I'm misplacing things. I am forgetting my neighbor's first name. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I've forgotten appointments. Um, Short-term memory loss is yeah. a big piece. You may, or you may just feel like you're in this deep, dense fog. You know, it's kind of like you just kind of get can't get your way through these. These kind of symptoms occur cognitively because literally our, our brain breaks down in grief. We are literally not firing on all cylinders <laughs> when we're in grief. So there you've got physical, emotional, cognitive, uh, socially. You may feel yourself pulling away, disengaging or withdrawing, even from people in your own household, the people that you love so dear. You can feel extreme loneliness, but the inability to actually interact with others. Do something about it. Yeah. Um, and so there's four. And then the fifth domain that, that it affects is spiritually. Uh, even people who have depended on their spiritual life to, to give them meaning and purpose are finding it hard to, you know, maybe pray or do their normal Bible study or meditations, um, they find themselves questioning God a lot and questioning his wisdom or, or you may feel you've lost your vision or your sense of purpose. So grief can affect us in the physical, the emotional, the cognitive, the um, social and the spiritual realms of life. So basically it's an all encompass, an all encompassing experience. 
It really is. And it's interesting to note, Ashleen, that of all those symptoms that I just described, and there's many more, they have one thing in common, and it's to get us to slow down. Hmm. Okay. Wow, I feel like I just need to sit with that thought for a second. Goodness. Mm Man, so many of the things, the symptoms you described are things I've been experiencing lately. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, um, I changed medications recently in the last two months. And so that's part of it. It's just the side mm-hmm. effects of that. But then also I do think it is symptoms of grief and it, yeah, trying to slow down, trying to listen to those things is so hard. Is that, is that what I'm supposed to do? I mean, what am I supposed to do with this grief now that we're we're kind of looking at it and saying, oh, that's grief, which yeah. is hard to identify <laughs> <Now what>? sometimes. <laughs> now what? Yeah. 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 Well, the, the noticing is a significant piece of it. Um, it, is, it is inviting us to view life and ourselves very differently. Mm-hmm. And um, many of us resist that. Uh, we just want to put things back where they were and move on and kind of ignore the, the deeper things of life. Um, but in our culture, we have equated grief and mourning, but they're, they're different processes. Grief is internal. It's what's going on inside of us. And we carry that, we carry that craziness inside of us. Um, but mourning is external and mourning is trying, it wants us to get what's inside outside Okay. Okay. So let's talk about how to do that. Yeah. Let's get, let's get all this stuff. We, I mean, we're all walking around with these symptoms and this pain and this weight. Um, it's an endless topic, but for the short brief time that we're together, I'm going <laughs> to name four things that I think can help us get what's inside outside. Great. Practical steps. Love it. Practical. <laughs> So we want to mourn our grief, not just manage it. So let that soak in too, because <laughs> we have a tendency to want to manage. Just manage and control, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if we try to manage, then mourning can't, true mourning can't really take place because it has to, ha- there's a, this natural sense about it. But what we can do, first, we need to name it. Name what we've lost. Mm. Okay. okay. Um, whether it's a loved one who died, special celebrations canceled, or just the simple pleasures of eating out and going grocery shopping. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or the freedom of our own schedule. Mm-hmm. That is a loss to the way that we've known life. Uh, so we need to name it. Now, I, I want to caution you here that each of us have an internal grief meter, Okay. okay, kind of think of a thermometer or something like that, yes. or a meter, yeah, yeah. a gas yeah. gauge. Um, it subconsciously scales our pain to someone else's. Okay, so compare and contrast, kind of. Mm-hmm. And this grief meter, meter, grief meter, may try to minimize your loss. You see, the danger mm-hmm. in something like a global pandemic. Or let's say, you know, towns wiped out with wildfires or hurricanes. Where are you going to take your grief when everybody else is experiencing the same thing? Oh, yeah. Or you may say, well, they at least I didn't lose my house. They did. At right. least 
no one in my family has died. And so what we do is we minimize our own pain, which basically is what we're doing is putting the lid on it. Yeah. You know, we're just squashing it. Um, And so as you, as you think about these losses, don't think about other people's losses. Be very personal and just make a big fat list of the things that you've Mm -hmm. lost as a result of this pandemic uh, moving into our culture. Okay. I don't even know if I would know where to start with that. That sounds a little bit overwhelming just because of the kind of year we've had of goodness of all the things to lose of all the things Mm -hmm. we've lost and that have changed and shifted. So where, where do I, how do I even get started with that once I've picked out a list or is there, you know, do I start with the big things first or what? Well, I mean, everybody's different, but you know, if you just even think about what had name answering this question, you know, what has ended what has changed? Mm. Okay. Uh, or, or if that's even hard to, even if that feels a little overwhelming to know where to start, maybe, maybe fill in the blank of I'm stressed about dot, dot, dot. Okay. Or I'm really worried about dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I'm angry or frustrated that we don't get to mm-hmm. blank. Or I'm afraid this will happen and we won't be able to fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, the arrow of grief always points to what's important to us. Hmm. Oh, explain that. I want to know more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think about uh, naming my losses, I'm not, you know, at the top of my list, it's not going to be, gee, I can't go fill up my car with gas. Bummer. Mm. Well, I'm not right. driving anywhere, so I don't need that, you know. Okay. But but you ask what's on the rise? Mm. I can't see my kids who are in in Colorado. Yeah. And we won't be together for the holidays. Uh, we won't get to share and laugh and yeah, it, I mean that being together. So it points my grief points to the things that are important to me. Yeah. And so, again, keeping this personal and naming, uh, naming those losses. Okay. Okay, so I start to name them, which sounds scary in and of itself, but I'm starting <laughs> to name them. Then what do I okay. do? <laughs> well, then I would encourage you to allow yourself to feel it. Mm. Give yourself permission to feel it. Um, feeling grief is not something that I want to do. No. Uh, it's not what most people want to do. Sure and isn't. that is... That is a, a challenge and a problem. <laughs> um, you know, when this thing started and things shut down last March, I thought, you know, this is really hard, but I can do this a couple months. I got this, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's fine. But when I realized that COVID wasn't going away, there was an emotion, you know, different emotions surfaced during that time. You know, I felt anger and guilt that I couldn't attend family funerals. Uh, and our family, that's how you show you care is yeah. you show up at a funeral. Yeah. Um, and so my absence, what was that communicating? Right. Um, you know, or my very first sight of my sweet first grandbaby was through a glass door. Oof. You yeah. know, I, I just and so the grief was just rising and rising. And um, in feeling it, many <laughs> Many of us, myself included, but many clients talk about numbing out. 
I'm, mm-hmm. How are you dealing with all this? I'm just numbing out. You know, mm-hmm. I'm vegging out on Netflix. Um, I'm gaming more than normal. I'm just, I'm escaping to somebody else's reality because mine is just too painful. However, Brene Brown wisely cautions us when we numb the dark, we also numb the light. Mm. And so when we're numbing out the pain, we're also numbing out the possibility of joy. Yeah. And of sweetness in our life. And so, um, you know, some fear that if they give in to their feelings, they're going to get stuck. But actually, the opposite is true. Uh, this is a pretty corny phrase, but you must feel it to heal it. You know, the more you push grief away, the more it's going to want to cling. So, you know, naming our losses engages our mind, if you can kind of see it that way. Feeling our grief engages our emotions. It's interesting. Um, I... My roommate is a very, very patient person. I think I've said that before, but she was sitting with me as I was having a nostalgic moment last night and I was flipping through some old photographs and I saw a photograph of our last staff conference that I worked that I I was supposed to work the next one. And when I pulled up the photograph, I just kind of stopped for a second and there were 17 different emotions and I just paused Mm. for a second. I don't even think it was more than maybe two or three seconds and my roommate just sat there for a moment and then said, I feel like you just felt a lot of things. Are you okay? (laughs) And it was a lot. I mean, it was some of joy of feeling that, you know, I remember being happy during that time, but then also this moment of panic and fear and depression looking forward. So I can absolutely relate to that. And I didn't want to sit in it. I didn't want to sit in that and experience it and think about it. I just wanted to move on. Mm -hmm. So, so what, once I'm willing to sit in that, or if I'm willing to sit in that, how do I, how do I do that? Or how do I express it? Or where do I go from there? Well, you hit, hit the nail on the head. We've got to express it Mm. because again, the feeling is, is more internal. Um, but if we don't express it, it's just, it's just going to continue to stay inside. Mourning has to be external. So there are healthy ways to express grief. uh, And obviously there's some unhealthy ways as well. (laughs) But, um, you know, studies show that if we feel but don't express our emotions, they will surface. They will leak out in other ways through anxiety, bitterness, uh, physical or mental illness. You know, if we keep our emotions locked inside, we run we literally run the risk of dying while we're still alive because we feel, but if we don't want to feel and if we aren't willing to express, we are killing our hearts. And um, that's a scary place to be. You know, if um, think in terms of emotion needs motion, that's what they want. Um, So, you know, allow yourself to cry, allow yourself, you know, some people like to get very physical, you know, go for a run, uh, go box or build something, uh, paint, dance, um, journal, write, something that, you know, talk therapy, whatever it is, get what's inside, outside to express some of what you're feeling, even if it feels like numbness. Sometimes just getting that movement of expressing how you're feeling numb or whatever slowly can begin to open up more honest uh, emotions. So 
that makes absolute sense to me. I'm curious, what are some of the unhealthy ways to express grief? Because in your opinion, because it feels like there, you know, there must be unhealthy ways. And I want to make sure I'm not just assuming those are healthy ways. What about social media? Because that seems to be where a lot of us are expressing our grief right now. Is that, is that good? Is that bad? Is it just depend on the situation? I'm curious your thoughts there. That was a loaded question. There's a lot in that question. (laughs) The first thing that comes to my mind is what are you hoping to gain from your post? Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a plea for help, uh, I would, I would text a close friend Mm. and not just throw it out on social media because everybody's challenge is nobody's challenge. Yeah. Uh, people will think, oh, I'm not close enough to Ashley to say anything. So, I mean, gosh, I I feel bad for her, but mm, I don't know what to do. So that's one thing that occurs to me. Um, if you're expressing your grief in protest, which we've got a lot of that going on on Facebook, again, what do you hope to accomplish? Are you just venting um, or are you, yeah, What it, what is your purpose behind that. So I would encourage um, finding safe spaces. Mm. And in my personal experience, Facebook has not been a good safe space for me Yeah, uh, with such intimate emotions and, and feelings because people will slap on band-aids. They'll give you the, well, and they'll, they'll be the ones to compare your pain. Mm-hmm. Well, at least your parents didn't die. At least, you know, well then, and so then you're basically feeling like, well, sorry for feeling, you yeah. know? Yeah. So really think about where you're taking um, these and expressing your emotions, mm-hmm. depending on what you're hoping to gain from it. Yeah, that makes sense. Something I've heard you say many times before is that, that phrase, at least, mm-hmm. um, and I find myself saying that to me and I find myself saying it to others, at least you didn't this, or at least this didn't happen or, but at least, yeah. And that's something I catch myself in specifically to me and trying to remind myself not to do that, that it's not helpful to compare. Well, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, that does help you balance a little bit. That mm. phrase, um, you don't want to minimize your pain, but sometimes I need to, if I, if I'm really so self-absorbed and I can't see that, oh, you know, me not getting to play my whatever game and equate that on the same level of people dying, you know, that there is something that we do have to kind of perspective take, I guess. For sure. Um, But and I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of gal. So I can tell myself that I can mm-hmm. say, well, at least this, at least that, that's kind of part of what helps me get through. Mm-hmm. I don't want to totally minimize that I'm feeling it. Yeah. That's different. But it's where you really get in trouble in this arena in grief is when you say that phrase to another person. Mm-hmm. Because it always minimizes their loss. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so I, I kind of derailed this a little bit. We've talked about naming our grief, mm-hmm. feeling our grief, expressing mm-hmm. our grief. I think, I, am I good so far? Yeah. You're great. Okay. And so what's where, where do we end up with that? 
Well, it's kind of going back to what I, I uh, kind of dropped on you about how all those symptoms are getting us to slow down. Mm. Um, my last encouragement of, of actually mourning and getting what's inside outside is we need to ponder mm. our grief. Um, again, it's not something I want to think about too much. I want to think yeah. about brighter things, happier things, etc. But pain has a way of surfacing the deeper questions, those big, deep existential questions on the meaning of life. While we're, why are we even here? Uh, it, it puts a spotlight on our priorities in life. You know, questions for God emerge during this time. If God were so loving, why this? Why that? Um, and though some of these questions may not have answers, it is very important to still ask them and ponder them. Because when we ask that type of a question, it takes us on a journey other than if we don't ask. Yeah. And it is it is a journey that is well worth taking. We, we are in such a polarized way of thinking. It's us, them, either, or, um, you know, death, life. We, I mean, we've, we've got everything at the extremes, but the human heart, until we can hold both of those things in the same space and recognize they are all part of living, um, it's, it's going to be really difficult for us. Yeah. So pondering, uh, we are spiritual beings and ultimately the grief journey is a very soulful, soulful journey. Um, you know, we have a tendency to think in terms of grief as, you know, well, it just needs to get over it or let it go. Yeah. But what if, Ashleen, what if instead of seeing it as letting go, we saw it more like letting in? What if we pondered what grief wants to show us about ourselves and about life? Yeah. I think we'll. I think we will emerge into twenty twenty one different people if if we take the time to really honor the losses in our life. Yeah, to name it, to feel it, to express it, and oh, please don't bypass pondering what it may want to teach us. Which I is scary. It's scary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why would you say it's scary? I think because I, I do know that it could make me a different person and I don't know who that person is. And I think it's the unknown. It almost feels like diving into this, this huge deep lake and I don't know what's under the surface. As someone who experiences depression as it is, mm -hmm. the concept of entering into more of those dark feelings, of those of those thoughts and pondering, where is this taking me? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. um, it, that is scary, but I, I agree. It's a, it's a journey I want to go on. I don't want to be the same person for the rest of my life. I don't mm -hmm. want to let the experiences of 2020 just float on by. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it sounds, it sounds valuable, but it does. does yeah. And I think, you know, I think that you bring up a good point. It's um, it is the unknown is scary. It holds great value and worth and surprises, but that's the same thing that terrifies us. It holds yeah. great value and worth and surprises. <laughs> um, and 
this is where I think, you know, meeting with a counselor, uh, a spiritual director, pastor, someone, mentor, someone that you really uh, look up to as far as, you know, they're, they're see- being seasoned in life. Um, this is not a journey to, to go alone. Mm-hmm. Grief, and, th- and there's another difference between grief and mourning. Grief you can experience alone. Mourning is always meant to be shared. Mm, yeah. And it's most powerful. It's healing power is most powerful in the context as you share it. You think about funeral services or you think about many other ways of, you know, grief and loss. When yeah. people come around and you share these, um, these pains together, there is something that happens to the human heart when we realize we're not alone. Yeah. And so... For those that may be like you, that's kind of like, I don't think I want to think about this too much. <laughs> um, you know, call me. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it literally is a big piece of what I do is sit and uh, hold space, you know, for people to, to ponder out loud what is almost frightening to verbalize. And um, and we get the puzzle pieces out and we moving them around and we but but at least we know what's in there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't don't go it alone. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we need to wrap up, but Dana, this has been so helpful. I so appreciate you taking the time to share with us. Dana has a website, hope-rises.com. You can find her there. We'll put that in the podcast notes as well. If you want to learn more about what she does or talk, give, you know, send her an email or something. Um, yeah, Dana, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. I, I thanks for having me. Time and you're willing to enter into this conversation. We've we've had this is uh, our second pretty heavy episode here at the end <laughs> of 2020. So next mm-hmm. week we're gonna talk about the holidays, the fun side of the holidays, which is not not holidays are not always fun. They could be stressful. They right. could be hard. But next week we're gonna talk about how we are living box free outside of the. Mm-hmm. You know, the usual, outside of the usual for the holidays. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we hope you join us next week. And thanks again, Dana. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me.